Welcome back to Dungeons and Dax, the podcast where I talk about how cool my friends are. I may be a professional dungeon master, but I've got friends in all sorts of awesome creative fields. And we're going to talk about the ways we can tell better stories together. I'm here with Janie. Janie is awesome. We had a very cool project just a few weeks ago, and we met in person the day before the project. We hit it off, and it was awesome. How are you doing, Janie? I am doing great, Dax. How have you been since our big project? I was riding the high for a few days. Well, I guess the day after I had to stay home and go into my introvert bubble before I recharged my spell slots. But I, I'm working. I'm running D&D games again. I finished a D&D game about an hour ago. Always working, always going on to the next big thing. But enough about me. Let's talk about you. You're the star of this show. Before we get into our big, awesome project we did a few weeks ago, who is Janie? I have been asking myself that for 21 years now. But long answer short, I am a Utah native who has been performing and acting my whole life. I'm a big fantasy fan. I've been playing D&D for years. And when I was about 16, I got into LARPing professionally, and I've been doing it ever since. So about five years now, and I've loved it. Every part of it. Now, every nerd listening to this knows what LARP stands for. But for those of you non-nerds or family members of nerds who don't know what LARPing is, tell us about LARPing. So LARPing is live action role play. And it's basically, in my opinion, the nerdiest thing you can do. In most instances, it's people getting together to have a live action role play all at Dungeons and Dragons or other role playing games. Generally, people will dress up. There will be a story and a plot. And you just sort of act it out how you would play a D&D character, but with yourself. Yeah. So instead of playing around the table and rolling dice, you're out in the woods or at a like, cool venue. And it's the goal is to be as immersive as possible. Yes, it is a full immersive experience from, you know, running around and getting sweaty, eating turkey legs. It's so fun. I highly recommend everybody go and do it once. Turkey legs is like a new level of immersion. Never eaten turkey leg while playing D&D. So I guess you are officially nerdier than I am, but that's cool. And that's awesome. But you use the word professional. What is a professional? What makes it someone a professional LARPer as opposed to someone who does it as a hub? Well, by definition, right, professional means I have been paid for it. I got really lucky. I got into it as like a baby LARPer being paid because up until that point, I had been so involved in acting and improv. And so, yeah, I've had all these opportunities where most people when they LARP are going and they're playing a character that they wrote, that they created. And they're following their own character storyline, whereas in most instances, I've shown up and told you are X, Y, and Z, basically a professional NPC, but as a <laughs> professional NPC. I love that. I love that. We yeah, should... you need to change this little title. I can. I'm going to do that right now. Those of you <laughs> who are listening and not watching, we have our, our titles up on the screen. Professional NPC. Love it. All right. And it's very fun and very fulfilling for people who, who get to play. 
You get to elevate that experience, help them get immersed. Yes. Now, those of you who live in Utah, even if you're not a hardcore LARPer, you might have gotten a little taste of the LARPing experience if you've ever been to Evermore Park. Evermore isn't exactly a LARPing park, but it's LARP adjacent, I would say. There are definitely some similar elements and games, and you used to work at Evermore. I did. I worked at Evermore from the day they opened as Evermore Park to July of last year. And it, okay. it was a very rewarding experience. What is Evermore Park? For our listeners who may be overseas, who have never even been to the mountains of Utah, what's Evermore? What makes it special? Evermore is geek heaven. It is this beautiful plot of land where they have built these antique-looking Victorian England houses, right? And it looks like a village straight out of Europe. And when you enter, you're greeted by a variety of characters and creatures. And they are all in character greeting you as the hero of the story that's going on in Evermore. Love that. I'm sorry if I'm not looking at the camera right now. I got distracted because I have all of my loot. I, every time I go to Evermore, I see if they have a new coin. And so I've got a collection that I've been growing over the last couple of years. I'm going to put that on screen. But yeah, it, it's great. You get to be the heroes as you go. And my wife and I have gone quite a bit. Not so much since we've had kids, but before we had kids, you better believe it. Quite a I bit. believe it. And it's fun being the protagonist, going around and doing, doing fetch quests for all of the professional NPCs that are there. Because, you know, they're mm -hmm. not going put to a, put a sword in your hand and go tell you to kill all the goblins. No. Some, the goblins are some of the nicest NPCs I found. Oh, they have the most fun. Yeah, it's fun and it's wholesome and it's spooky in Halloween time. Love it when it gets spooky. It's it's a lot of fun going to it. So yeah, you're involved in awesome things. You're an actress, professional LARPer, and eventually our paths crossed. I, I mean, we probably met at Evermore at one point, right? But our mm -hmm. paths officially crossed. Through a mutual friend, our friend Andrew Ashby introduced us, who was on the last episode of the podcast. And Andrew owns the Geek Together Tavern. And I was working with him and with Donnie Jensen to put together the Guinness World Record event for the largest game of ever. And as Johnny and I were going through what he had written and the ideas that I was bringing to it and the adjustments that I was making, we, we wanted some sort of emotional through line in the story. We wanted to have a hero that the audience could really root for and thought about using like the king of Kingdom Grand or like a lost prince. But there was already someone there in the story and that was Eldath, the goddess of peace. And I thought, okay, I'm the DM. I got to play Eldath. I got to play Vecna and Eldath. Hmm, how about we go one step further? How about we bring someone in to play Eldath, someone who can match my energy on stage as I am Beckna. We can do a few scenes for the audience. Oh, that's a little bit ambitious. Thought it back and forth, and I don't know anyone. I got a friend who might do it. We asked, we asked Andrew. He's like, I know someone. Let me text her right now. And before I even left the tavern that day, you were, you were on board. Hey, Janie's in. So what was 
what was going through your mind as you got that call and you were like, hey, two weeks from now, you're going to be doing this massive role in front of a thousand or more people. What went through your mind? So I I do not mean to sound like conceited, but for so many people, this would be like their worst nightmare is someone hitting them up and being like, last minute, you need to prepare to be in front of thousands of people. But for me, that's something that, again, working at Evermore, I just got so used to doing every single weekend. And so when Andy hit me up, by the way, Andy's text was so nonchalant. He basically <laughs> texted me. He was like, hey, can you come LARP at this event I'm doing? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's great. So That's nonchalant. Great. I was like, yeah, be there. He didn't say, hey, we need you to be the star. We need you to be the emotional part of the story. We need you to be the one person that everyone latches onto and looks to for inspiration. He didn't say any of those things. And that came a little bit later. I think then later he sent me a text. And he's like, oh, by the way, you're going to be the main character at this Guinness World Record event. And I think then I was like, oh, this is, you know, a little more important than I thought it was. <laughs> you thought you were going to be a quest giver. No, you got to be the mentor. You got to be the hero. You got to be the paragon. You got to be so many great things. Um, exactly. So with busy schedules and everything, we weren't able to officially, at least Johnny and I weren't able to officially meet you until the day before the big event. And we'd heard great things about you. So we were excited to work with you. And we were playing around with the, with the idea of Eldath. Because at first, in the earlier drafts of the story, she was this Princess Zelda type character. Not very proactive, just loved and hoped so much and gave people inspiration and we, we didn't want that the more we looked at it we wanted Eldath to be have more of an active role someone who would lead people into battle so instead of princess zelda we're like she is gandalf and aragorn rolled into one and we use the goddess athena as a major influence as well and so when we met with you that's when we had finalized those ideas and we we gave them to you. And what did you do with the information? So it was definitely a lot to show up and be like, here are these two guys and they have spent months preparing all of this information and you have to learn it all tonight for this event <laughs> tomorrow. And it was... Honestly, it was so amazing to watch you and Johnny be so excited to tell me about this character. And I could tell how much you both loved what was put into this character. And I guess it sort of dawned on me the importance of the role that you had given me, right? And that you wanted somebody to be like the physical embodiment of the good in this story, whereas Vecna is obviously the embodiment of evil. Yeah, and we gave you a lot of notes, and the notes that I that I gave you kept changing on the day of because we were, I mean, like any good D and D session, you have to fill in gaps and make up things. As well. And we had an idea of the direction going, but a lot of it was listening to the crowd feeling their energy, seeing them get attached to Eldath. And then you and I would would meet backstage isn't the right term. We'd meet offstage 
And I'd be like, hey, what about this? What about that? And it was so cool to see you implement those changes and just amplify the ideas that I have. I could tell you did improv because you know how to accept and amplify. That's, that's rule number one and rule number two props. So thanks for being so awesome to work with. What, what was the energy like when you, you came into the Guinness event? There's thousands of people playing. You're in costume. What was going through your mind? What were you feeling? This event was so fun. There was an amazing, amazing energy. And I have done a lot of LARP events before, obviously. However, I don't think I've ever done an event where so many people were gathered together who were taking it so seriously. And I think that's what made it so fun is that everybody was fully invested in the story. And there were so many moments where there was just magic in the air. It was amazing to walk through the crowd. And at first I could tell people were a little confused. I think some people didn't catch on that like I was going to be coming to their table. And I definitely got a couple looks for people who were like, why is this crazy lady in an outfit coming and talking to us? We're trying to play D&D. But all those D&D nerds who don't LARP, who think they're too cool for LARPing. They're like, why is a LARPer here? No one's too cool for LARPing, okay? <laughs> but it was fun. And I remember there was this moment where you and I had come together backstage and you were like, I'm going to pick your arm off and poke your eye out and we're going to do it on stage and this is gonna how it's going to go. And it, it came together so perfectly on stage. Yeah. I, I, every time we tried blocking it, we kept making little changes, trying to see what felt natural and what, what hand goes where. Because those of you who are familiar with, he's known for two main things, his eye and his hand. His eye and his hand have been removed from his body and are these legendary objects of great evil in the D&D multiverse. There are lots of stories out there of people searching for the hand and attaching it to their body, searching for his eye and using it to gain unholy insight and eldritch energy. And so I figured the Vecna that I'm playing is going to be missing his hand. I, what is the most evil thing that he can do to the goddess of peace short of killing her, right? In fact, something eviler. What if he disfigures her? What if he takes her hand and takes her eye for himself and takes some of her power and some of her energy and corrupts it. And that was, that was one of the possible scenarios for the story that we wrote. We had four different endings planned, depending on if the wall fell or if the wall stood, and then depending on if Vecna was eventually. Um, out of the and I remember we were explaining these four different endings and these branching paths to you, and you were just overwhelmed tomorrow and so i had to steal a piece of paper from johnny and just draw out a diagram uh, luckily a little punnett square yeah a little punnett square that's a good way of putting it a little a little table a little punnett square which is what i use to to understand the branching paths and then did that help you out at all it definitely helped me because when i first sat down i I had just met you and Johnny, which, by the way, Johnny Jensen is such a perfect name for Johnny. He's like a little cartoon character. I love him. He is such a joy. He, he like should be on a Saturday morning cartoon. As the perfect. Exactly. Johnny Jensen. 
Timmy Turner, Peter Parker, Johnny Jensen. Johnny Jensen. And I was sitting with you two and Johnny went first and Johnny handed me one of the DM packets, which is like an inch thick. 40 pages. And I'm I'm looking at it (laughs) thinking, okay, so you want me to like get ready for tomorrow and read all of this by tomorrow. And I was starting to freak out a little bit. And then you're like, no, 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 no. Let me just like draw this out for you. And it really did help me out that day to be like, okay, did the wall fall? Yes. Okay. So it's one of these two endings. And it helped me just like sort out my brain. Cause I think otherwise I would have been totally frazzled. I mean, I was already a little bit all over the place, you know, trying to find like, okay, who knows what, where am I supposed to be? Who's where? Where is what? Yeah, you did. You did so well. I didn't get to see a lot of your interactions with the tables because if people saw us together, they expected crap to go down, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh no, they're going to, they're going to fight. And so I had to give you a little bit of distance while you were going out, doing your goddess thing, and giving, giving hope and light to these tables. What were some of the experiences you had going around? It was really fun to visit the different tables and they all had varying reactions. I could definitely tell who was more a role player and who was maybe a little bit more shy, but I approached a table and they decided to role play it as the goddess herself appeared right then and there the second I had approached the table, which was opportune for them because that was the moment they were being chased by the city guard. And so it was a perfect role play moment, totally serendipitous. And I just, I loved interacting with all these different people. There was a little table upstairs and it was a group of, I think there were maybe 13 year old boys and they had all come together and one of their moms came over and asked me to go say hi to them. And (laughs) it was so fun to visit the different people and just, you know, in character, Give them some inspiration and try to really immerse them in this amazing story that you and Johnny had together. And then you helped bring it to life. I have some, there were people who recorded the finale and I have those videos up from the second floor. I'm going to have to show them to you, but we did it. We pulled it off. It was pretty cool. And it was pretty electric to have all 1200 people in attendance crowd around the stage for that final confrontation. Because Elda not only was the embodiment of all that was good and holy and worth fighting for, but you were also a stand-in for the audience. Because we couldn't have all 1,200 people there on stage. So I wanted everybody to see themselves in your shoes. You were there representing them. And we had some mechanics tied to that as well. You had given out these holy symbols that transformed into these spears in in the second and third act with with everybody attacking with these spears at once on these vessels of Vecna, all that energy would be transferred in this arcane, holy lightning to your spear so that you would hit Vecna with one final mighty blow. And my goal was to make that feel as energetic as possible. Get everybody excited, get everybody chanting, knowing that a bit of their damage that they dealt to Vecna in that final round was there in your spear. How did you feel in that moment? All that pressure on your shoulders. It it was intense. And 
I mean, that was a moment where it really was just like all eyes on me. And I was like, oh, man, like. It was crazy because it was this moment where everybody was, I think, crossing their fingers and holding their breath, hoping that they had done enough damage to kill Vecna, just waiting because, you know, they couldn't tell from their own table. And it was this huge moment. And I remember when you had announced that Vecna died, just this sigh of relief through the crowd and excitement that, you know, not only had they come together won the Guinness World Record, but they had also defeated the evil in this game. And it was so satisfying for all of the players and for me to sort of be their proxy in that moment. They're my favorite moment. I mean, everything was good. Everything that happened in the finale was great. But you did something amazing. And I don't even know if you realize what you did. But it was right after the scene, after the second act or after whatever act the wall fell, the wall had fallen. Vecna was looking for Eldath and wanted to take her power for himself. And our, our original plan was he's going to capture Eldath and fight her there. But we wanted, no, we decided Eldath's going to confront him. She's sick of him messing with the city. She, so you, you charge the stage with your spear in hand. You start yelling at me and we start. We had this confrontation, almost like a wrestling match, because we were playing to the crowd. We had to wait for their applause. But we had this confrontation, but it, was, it wasn't the maiden going to be sacrificed. It was the warrior staring down with agency, with power. And we do the scene, because the wall fell, where Vecna bites off your hand and plucks out your eye. Which I kind of made silly, because I forgot I was wearing glasses, and I went to go put the eye in and... And I took my glasses off to put the eye in and people laughed. And so I just had to play it off. Anyway, I almost ruined a perfect scene, but you saved it. You saved it because you had just collapsed into a heap on the stage, holding your stump, holding your eye, just shoulders sobbing. And then I walk off stage, but you lingered there. You stayed there for a while and people were still watching to see what you were going to do. And it was very quiet. And I'm off stage. And I look around. I'm trying to see what's, what's happening. And then slowly, very slowly, you start standing. And you don't say it. Quiet. You're solemn. Stand. You bring your shoulders back. You pick up your spear with your good hand. When you stand up fully, everyone starts cheering. That gave me chills. I'm getting chills just remembering it and being so proud of that moment landing. And then you walk off stage and everyone's wondering what's Eldath going to do next. And then I got to go to some of the other tables who didn't get to see that battle. And I got to announce to them as a town crier, Eldath lives. And I got to tell that story of you being their hero of defying Vecna and coming up, rising again, just like so many of them had died and been resurrected by your power to keep fighting. That was, I think, the most emotional moment for me. Yeah. You pulled it off so well. So thank you. Thank you for that. I know the finale was cool, but I think the finale was cool because everyone still remembered that sacrifice at the darkest point. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. That was my favorite moment, too. And I remember 
being on the ground after the big scene and people were chanting for Eldaf to get up. And I stayed on the ground for a good couple of minutes and the chanting did not stop. And it was it was a really powerful and emotional moment that, you know, I I love to perform. And one thing I really love is storytelling is such a powerful medium for people. And I think it can really resonate in their lives. And, you know, at the moment where Eldak, she was literally knocked down and that Eldak represents all of the players. And so I wanted to just give everybody a moment to just like sit in the feeling of like, bad things are happening, but I want to keep fighting, right? Yes. Because I think that's such a powerful thing that so many people can feel in their own real lives too. And when you came back on stage with uh, the golden eye patch and the red and gold blood dripping from your hand, oh, that looks so cool because they could see you and there was a visual representation of you being hurt, you being injured, of all of them being injured and losing and making sacrifices. And let's talk about your costume. Let's talk about your costume. I mean, we gave you, I mean, I'm not a costumer, right? I had some ideas on what I wanted the character to be, but you already had something in mind when you came in. We raided the store looking for like armor pieces we could give you. But let's let's talk about your process and deciding the look for Eldath and what it symbolized. So before I met with either you or Johnny, I met with Andy at his store a couple of weeks prior to the event. Actually, no, just a week prior to the event. And I was like, okay, so what do you want me to wear? And he gave me this pitch of like, you know, the Princess Zelda thing is you guys were thinking elven, goddess, ethereal. And you, he didn't really have much else to say as far as costuming, right? And so I, one thing I do want to say is that base costume, I made that in two days because exactly. I was out of town <laughs> that week. So I was like, oh, Andy, you've given me one weekend to make this. <laughs> but I think it came together okay. He had a lot going on. He wasn't too worried about, you know, if I was going to wear an updo or not. So it's okay. It's okay. But it was really fun to walk around the store. And, you know, I love Andy and I love his store and I love everything they've got going on. And I thought it was just a nice touch to wear some of the things from their store, tie back to them. We geek together. Shameless plug for them. But... I loved that we took this costume that was really just like, you know, and pretty and goddessy. And we added these like warrior Athena touches to it. The bracers and the leather belt and the spear, that big old spear. Yes, I'm so glad we got a spear for it. And it was just amazing because I think a lot of the time people put characters in boxes, especially female characters, right? You're either... Yeah the pretty fair maiden and you're this magical the healer woman or you're like the bad a warrior and i think it's why can't we have our cake and eat it too right you can you can be pretty you can wear something beautiful and fun but still be you know a tough thing 
And I love that there were layers to the costume that showed that side. Like, this is the goddess of peace. And if the goddess of peace is going to war, you know things are serious. You know that there's no other alternatives, no other choice. The other gods have forsaken these people, but Eldath alone. Yeah, you did such a good job. So happy. What else went into your costume, your makeup, everything else you did to bring this character to life? So I love, I had the incredible opportunity to be an apprentice under my friend Christy, who is the lead costumer at Evermore. She's fabulous, incredible. And a lot of the things we talk about are how much storytelling can come from a character's design or costume. And I really put a lot of thought and love into it, right? And I loved that it almost looked out of place, right? That a goddess of peace would be on the battlefield. And so she probably wouldn't have a full suit of armor as the goddess of peace. And I think it really drove home that this was the absolute last resort. And on the note of the gold eye patch, you and I had a discussion the day before when we finally met about how to represent that I had lost my arm and eye in the instance of that ending. But we didn't want to, you know, gore me out because yeah. there were kids at the mall. I know there were 13 year old boys that would have been mortified. They would have been. I, I think there was like a six-year-old girl wearing like a Jojo Siwa shirt romping around the mall with her mom. I think she was already traumatized. We didn't need to do anything more to that poor little girl. <laughs> so we were talking about it and we we kind of had this idea that as a, as a goddess, why wouldn't she have golden blood? Mm-hmm. Right? And I was digging around in my little costume stash and I found this really pretty gold ribbon and I took it and... I did, in fact, that night grind up an old makeup palette that I had of all of the reds and golds and mixed them together to make like this gold red powder. And I that looked so cool. I can't believe you made that yourself. That's great. You know, you got to get crafty. You got to make do, especially in this world. You never know what people are going to want, right? One event you might be. A pretty fairy covered in sparkles. Another, you might be a really funky looking ogre. So <laughs> I've got quite the staff. Yeah, I bet you'd make a great ogre. Great. I don't mean to brag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Because I wasn't sure what you were going to look like when you had the eye in the hand. I didn't get to see it beforehand until you came back on stage and started chanting and getting people excited again. And so I got to experience seeing Eldath in her wounded form for the first time when everyone else did. I love that. That was so great. I thought um, it was a really fun way to do it symbolically and have it make sense from far away in the nosebleeds, which was, mm-hmm. you know, most of them all. But I thought it came together really fun. Yeah. And I love that there was still some red in that golden blood. So... We knew it was blood. We just weren't like hit in the face. It wasn't overwhelming. Clear that there was a change. It was clear that something happened. I think having like a little bit of blood told a better story than just drenched you in red. Yes. I think it, it made just think more, right? About 
maybe the storytelling elements of what that loss meant rather than, my gosh, she got her hair chopped off, right? Written off. Bitten off. Bitten off. Because as we were blocking it, I realized, how am I going to grab her hand and chop her hand off if I don't have a second hand? You just gnaw it off. Like that turkey leg we were talking about earlier. Yes. I should have eaten a turkey leg to like really get in character. As you were on the ground and I was walking around you, I was like acting like I was screwing it on. Like I, was I know. Yeah. Well, what are some of your other big thoughts from the event? And then I want to talk more about the other cool things here. My big takeaway was just how much this community is so supportive of each other. We really all came together, all 1,200 of us plus, and it was just fun. And you could tell that there was this amazing energy among the people where at the different tables, they were all, you know, maybe amongst friends, amongst strangers, but they still felt connected to each other. And I thought that that was so amazing. And I cannot wait to do it next year. I hope Andy has me back again. If I've got I'll to come back as, as an ogre, I'll do it. Whatever next year. Queen of the for. ogres. Queen of the, you know, you should send that to Johnny. He needs to get started on that writing <laughs> Johnny, now. I, I'll text him right now. Queen of the ogres. I'm not going to give him any context. I'm just going to say that and just watch what magic. Get the gears churning, right? But it was, it was amazing to work with you. It was amazing to work with Johnny. Again, the We Geek Together crew was amazing at getting a lot of the operations of it together. And I think with a little bit of polish, they could do another event like this so much bigger right and i'm just excited to see what the future holds for them and for this world record i want to see who tries to beat it i hope somebody does because if they beat it that gives us an excuse to come back even stronger and take it back i love that sort of conflict so yeah those of you out there listening who are sad that you missed out start your own Walking our footsteps, see if you can stand on our shoulders. It was tough. We learned a lot on the way. But if you beat us, rest assured, we will come after you and we will take it back. That is my promise, my challenge to all of you. So yeah, I'd love to work with you again, Janie. You're awesome. It was super fun. We connected so fast on the day before the event. And mm-hmm. maybe it was through that shared stress and that shared trauma. Yeah having so many eyes on us and having to perform in front of all of them, Mm -hmm. but you are awesome. So what can people do if they want to see more of you? Are you in any other shows, any other productions? Are there any other cool acting creds you want to talk about? Well, right now I am not doing a lot of acting, which is unfortunate. I ended up be doing a stint as a runway model last week so i don't know that was pretty cool you can text me for my booking fee for 20 dollars and a slice of pizza i will show up at your D game and be an npc <laughs> not actually but i I'll, I'll tell all my players i'll tell all my players they're already paying me a lot we can we can i don't even know i i'll be at the utah renaissance fair 
I'm not entirely sure what we'll be doing there, but I will be there. Ogre so, Queen. Ogre, Ogre Queen. Queen. <laughs> you know what? I know the coordinator of the fair, Miss Erin. I'll get something in the works right now. But if you want to find me, I'm on all the social medias. If you have any creative projects that you need an NPC for, let me know because I love this industry. And also, if anyone has any questions about how to get into the professional LARC spear, spear, <laughs> spears on the brain. brain, spears on the brain, spear and things of this nature and making money by being a nerd, you can ask me. I, I have a good amount of experience, but <laughs> I mean, I, I did have one funny anecdote from the day of that I wanted to share. Yes, I'm here. There was one fabulous young man who approached me afterwards. I had changed. I was on my way out and he came up and he like tapped me on the shoulder and he's like, you did such a wonderful job. And then he said, so was it hard? Like when they had to teach you like what D&D was? (laughs) He just assumed that you weren't a nerd. How dare he? (laughs) That was a very, it it definitely cracked me up. (laughs) <laughs> and it got me laughing. I was like, what a, a weird thing for me to just be some random actor and show up and do this whole event and have to receive like 10 years of D&D history in order to like be funny and relatable. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just it's hilarious. I'm sorry that happened, but also laughing because it happened. I'm, it's 99% funny. <laughs> well, let's talk about like how the gaming space in this community has changed over the years and got more people like you playing. Like, what, what, what does it look like from your perspective? From my perspective, you and I had a chat about this before we started recording about how I was a young girl and I had been in game stores for a long time. Time. I started being the little tagalong sister to Magic the Gathering tournaments when I was 10. And so I have been in the game stores and in the nerd scene forever. And it has been really amazing to see how much more accepting and loving this community has become for women. Because 10-year-old Janie would go to these tournaments and be the only girl in the room. And it was you know, a little intimidating. And I can understand why so many people would feel nervous about getting into D&D or doing all of these things when they don't see people like themselves at these stores. And now when you go into like We Geek Together or any game store, it's wonderful to see people there of all genders, backgrounds. It's amazing to see women showing up to these events and i saw a table at this event of all girls playing together and i was like you rock on girls you do it and inspiration for you extra inspiration for you. you all get inspiration can i slide you guys like 10 bucks under the table i thought it was awesome and i think this community it has more growing to do obviously I saw someone in the comments say, how are there attractive women playing D&D? Was a remark that they've heard. And how are women, girls playing D&D? Well, you know, we play D&D. Who's going to interact with the unicorns in your game? Huss. I've had male characters interact with unicorns and... That is against the D&D rules. 
that's against their rules. It's well, illegal. we don't always do. Oh, okay. Boys like unicorns too. Rule of cool. Okay, okay. Rule of cool. Rule of cool. No, but... that's awesome, and I love seeing more people coming into the hobby, and I love seeing more mm -hmm. of a like. I'm, you know, a scary looking guy. All right, and I, I don't have to get nervous when I go to these events. I've got that privilege mm -hmm. going for me. I'm bald. People already think I'm going to be an authority figure or a villain. So I've got that mm -hmm. going for me. But I've noticed a difference in the games that I run that are dominated by all males and ones that have, you know, more of a female presence. And there's a bunch of males playing. It's kind of a competition to see who can be funnier, who could be tougher, who can do the wildest thing. And when you introduce at least one girl into the com into the conversation or two, ideally, or 50-50 split, even better, I've seen the entire parties be a lot more emotionally intelligent. <laughs> it's not just the female players. It's like even the, the male players are on better behavior because the women are playing and they, they got to they gotta work together as a team. So I... <laughs> Yeah, every time I'm doing a game with all dudes, I'm like, I shouldn't say that. I did a game with all dudes today, and they were great, and I loved it. They are not the most emotionally intelligent party. We have fun, but it's a different type of fun. It is a different type of fun, and I definitely think there is room for everybody in Dungeons & Dragons, and just be who you want to be and do what you're going to do. And I, I definitely agree. I mean, I have only ever played games where there's been a female presence. At least one. <laughs> At least one. But it, there's definitely a different dynamic. I think, you know, a lot of us young ladies aren't expected to be into Dungeons and Dragons, aren't raised on things like video games and other things because it's not what society expects of us. And so I think, by having women and girls in your D&D game, you get this entirely different perspective. And I mean, in my opinion, it makes it more fun. So I'll agree with you there. Thanks for being such like a great role model. Like, I'm sure that six year old girl who was running around the mall saw you, thought you were awesome. And wants like, do you have any more advice for for those Little girls, little boys, little anybody who wants to grow up and be nerdy. The rule, I think the biggest rule of anything in the world is if you want to do something, go for it. If just be yourself, go to these nerdy events and be the one who dresses up. Who cares if you're the only one in costume? Who cares if you're the only one doing a silly accent? If you want to play D&D, &D, get your friends together, get your family together, force them to play, trap them. That's what I do. And just get together, have fun. And who cares what other people are thinking? Because if people are worried about what you're doing, they just don't have a lot going on in their lives and how boring for them. You've got five different lives in five different worlds that you're living your best life living your best life spoken like a true professional npc <laughs> thank you so much again janie it was awesome i look forward to our next collaboration hopefully sooner rather than later i mean there's always next day before then so yeah any final thoughts before we close out 
Well, thank you so much for having me, Dax. This was so fun. You're a fabulous host. Everybody, book Dax for all of your D&D games. For when you trap your family and friends to play, hire Dax to be your DM. And if for an extra a- 20 bucks, Janie will show up. I will show up in costume. That's the bonus package. Go play at We Geek Together. Go support all of the nerdy, awesome businesses in the community because they are doing wonderful, wonderful things in the world and always be who you want to be. All right. See you all next episode.